Have you always dreamed of creating your own beauty products or building your own beauty brand? Welcome to Beauty Business School, the podcast devoted to empowering beauty entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Doreen Block. Join me as we talk with industry insiders, beauty founders, and more to provide you with knowledge and resources for launching your own beauty brand. Enjoy the episode. Hi, and welcome to the Beauty Business School podcast. I am so excited to have Maria from Scentbird here with me today. Welcome, Maria. Thank you for having me, Doreen. Absolutely. So I want to start really broad. Tell us about your entrepreneurial journey. What was the inspiration for Scentbird, and how did you take the first step? Sure. Um, Well, the inspiration for Sunbird came from my personal grievances as a consumer of the category. So I I am a huge fragrance junkie. And over the years, I ended up collecting the perfume graveyard. That's, you know, it's kind of like all all these bottles that are kind of like half empty, half full, sitting on your vanity collecting dust. And my issue with uh, the category was that I just found it really hard to shop for at retail. Uh, you know, everything just blends in after after you smell like three to five fragrances. You know, there's you already walk into a fragrance environment, um, any fragrance mm-hmm. store really. Like the Sephora has a smell, you know, the Macy's has its own like fragrance smell that's all a thousand fragrances in the air. The coffee beans don't work. And so I just found out that I would, you know, always pick up kind of like the wrong full size bottle and be stuck with it. And um, I was really, you know, hoping that I could enjoy and, you know, find, discover my next favorite fragrance from the comfort of my couch and my PJs. And of course, the uh, easier said than done, (laughs) because it's a very visceral category, like you have to really try before you buy. So we, uh, our approach was really through technology. Um, We, because I I don't really see any other way. Specifically, uh, what we focused on in the early days was building out the scent recommender. And, you know, how how can we, um, you know, guide people to that next perfect fragrance or a few fragrances that have the highest probability to make them happy um, as individuals and also you know um, you know we were we're kind of like we're playing matchmakers basically and using data to do that so we've analyzed over a million fragrance reviews and really wanted to take it down a notch because I think fragrance as an industry is kind of like rooted in terminology that is not necessarily very um, you know obvious and understandable from the regular consumer's eyes I mean, all of these notes and how they're called and fragrance families can become quite daunting if you're not like so much into it and just like kind of like casually consuming the category. And so we really wanted to focus on how normal people or average consumers rather describe their favorite fragrances, but also the fragrances they don't love as much to their, you know, friends and family members. And and that's kind of like, that was like the the beginning of, of Scentbird. And then kind of like as we went down the rabbit hole of, figuring out the perfect recommender and how to guide people. So building like tech tools for fragrance discovery and search. Um, The next uh, big iteration for us to figure out was, well, how do we take it a step further and allow people to uh, sample through us, right? And um, that was another part of discovery that was quite fun for me because I never really was a fan of traditional fragrance samples. They felt very small to me. And, you know, a lot of fragrances are an acquired taste. Like you really have to live with them to truly know if they make you happy, if, if, you know, if, if they make you feel good. Uh, about wearing them. And so a month's supply uh, made a lot more sense at the time. 
Um, and uh, that's basically what we what we launched um, eventually. It was not the first business model that we tried, but it was the one that ended up working and the one obviously near and dear to my heart. Yeah, and I guess the rest is history. Absolutely amazing. And I know we shared that data tech perspective. What I want to know about um, your experience with the investor side of things, and, and you can share with us how much uh, venture funding you've raised so far, I would love to hear, did you face reluctance from investors about the category at all? And if so, do you have any tips for getting people outside of the industry to believe in the beauty industry opportunity? Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. The fundraising journey was quite a journey. So we, we uh, at this point, we've raised $26 million. So six, give or take. Uh, in the seeds, in the seed round, it was an extended seed. It was kind of like, you know, just a bunch of convertible notes and safes over a course of three years, and then a 20 million uh, Series A. Um, so that's basically the funding to date. It honestly was a lot harder in the beginning, I must admit. Um, yes. And the hardest part was not so much beauty, but fragrance, um, which is what I was raising, uh, obviously, for in the early days. Um, I think beauty overall is a little bit better understood because, you know, there's makeup and there's skincare and fragrance kind of, even in the industry, it's kind of like the, the redhead child in the corner that nobody really loves mm -hmm. and nobody really focuses mm -hmm. on. There's not that much innovation in the sector, to be honest. And my challenge was, I mean, to be entirely honest with you, the fact that I had to pitch mostly to men. Um, I, there, there are more and more female investors, you know, um, throughout the years and, you know, more female run funds that are emerging, more mm -hmm. female partners in traditional funds. So I think that the ecosystem is changing and shifting, and I'm really loving to see that. Um, I do think we need a lot more female angel investors and just investors in general. Um, my challenge originally pitching to men was that they were not fragrance fans themselves, most of them. And then basically it just came down to, well, my wife doesn't use perfume, so I don't think there is a market for it. And even though you put like a, you know, I, I came armed with um, the figures and the numbers, it was still an, an uphill battle initially. <laughs> and mm -hmm. especially given that for me, you know, it's an emotional category. It's a passion project. Uh, in the early days before, and, and frankly, I mean, Sunbird is the first company that I had to fundraise for. So it's very, there's a lot of firsts for me with this business. Um, mm. There was a learning curve personally, so I, I initially was really, really bad at pitching, I think, because I think what I did in, uh, initially, I started with a personal story and like, why I did this and like, how does the business work? And honestly, if I were to give out any advice to say like a first time female founder, a first time any gender founder for that matter, mm -hmm. is lead with the numbers and with whatever traction you have, especially if you have traction, because by the time I started mm -hmm. pitching the business, we had traction, we had customers, but I never really led with the growth graph. And the one, like the big reveal for me and, and the one thing that made most of the difference was when I kind of like started showing up to pitch meetings and just presenting the growth graph first and saying, this is my business, mm -hmm. this is the growth. And then, and then the story comes later because instantly men can understand numbers, you know, and invest, any yes. investor can understand investors numbers. That's what they're, general, why they showed right. up to that pitch meeting in the first right. place. Yeah. And, and then so there's nothing emotional about it at that stage. It's like, okay, yeah. let's get on this train before it leaves the station. 
basically absolutely and that that kind of like what was the big shift in my thinking and the storytelling shifted from oh fragrance is such a great category that nobody really knows that it's amazing to oh here is the growth and you know like we believe that this market you know is is just apt for disruption and, and here is why and and then the story kind of like weaves itself but um up until yeah i mean uh, throughout our whole seed stage it was it was trying to you know convince people but that that there is a market for this and um, we we did apply to y combinator um which is like a, an accelerator um out in the west three times with the same business got rejected twice and wow, i didn't know it, that yeah it was fun uh quote unquote um i you know but basically the second time it got rejected was because uh, you know, the partners just didn't feel that the business had enough depth to it as far as like the number of people that would eventually want to use our service. And so they're like, no, it'll probably grow to like maybe, I don't know, like 5,000 subscribers and you, you guys will cap out at, at 5K what? and, you know. Yeah. And so what an it, underestimation. Because <laughs> you guys are hey, like, even the best people are wrong sometimes, you know. Um, That's fair. So. And so the perseverance, you applied that third time. Yeah. And, and we got in. <laughs> and the rest is history. Yes. Well, actually, it's funny because we did show up to that uh, interview with a growth graph and it was a hockey stick, you know, up up and to the right. Wow. Investors are kind of looking for. And I'm like, OK, you have to see this first. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, yeah. YC has like strict rules around like how you interview. Like they don't really like people bringing props unless it's, you know, it's like a, a, a um um hardware company um and mm. then you must like because that's your product and uh you know i had to still print out those graphs and kind of just like you know like the the the, the numbers speak better than you know they're more eloquent yeah. than what i can tell you <laughs> so yeah it was a great experience though going through yc i think in general um for you know any tech founder tech entrepreneur i highly recommend applying and going through the program and applying more than once even if you get rejected because you know, there are precedents of people being rejected and then not. <laughs> so That is such great advice. And I wanted to ask, do you have any strategic investors, if you're able to share? If not, we can move on. But do you have any strategics or do you have any perspective on taking strategic investment in the beauty industry? Mm -hmm. We do not have any strategic investors per se. Um, uh, I think so for us we are a platform that carries um, many brands and I think being married to one strategic partner too early in the game could be quite um, you know uh, quite an unwise move um, mm -hmm. I think that if you know if a company like ours were to do that it should be done Spotify way where you get investment from you know basically every major shareholder uh, or like say like all five or seven biggest beauty companies and you get investment from all of them. I think that's the one way where it makes sense. But being married to one player, all the meanwhile, trying to preserve being impartial to the portfolio, because first and foremost, we are uh, that guide and the recommender. And, mm -hmm. and second, you know, everything else. Um, getting strategic money early in the game, I think, could be a problem. Um, mm -hmm. because, you know, you might need to give up some of that freedom. <laughs> Makes sense. You have that long-term perspective in mind, I see. Yeah. So important. 
So I know that Scentford has been moving into other categories as well. It's definitely expanded beyond fragrance at this stage. What has that process been like? Um, would love to understand more about how you've decided to formulate the product, whether it's in skincare or makeup, and uh, also your innovation process for those other categories. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we always listen to our customers. Uh, we, you know, we do surveys, we jump on, um, we do a lot of customer development. So it's a lot of interviews over the phone and in person. We're always trying Brilliant. to figure out. Love that. How I'm always else. telling brands they have to be doing that. <laughs> I love hearing that Sunbird <laughs> is all over it. Yeah, yeah. So we're uh, we're uh, A/B testing things to death, and, and 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 because we do that for our digital product, that's very much ingrained in the culture. So kind of like talk to customers, and and you know one of the mantras, obviously for us, that is a YC mantra is like building products that people love, and for you to find out what it is that people might love eventually you have to talk to them a lot and so one of the insights that we uncovered is that people are very open and in fact willing to discover other product categories through us um, our business model is quite unique I think for the subscription space because um, consumers select every single item that they receive um, as opposed to just being surprised which is which seems right. to be like the industry standard for, uh, for subscription beauty subscriptions um, what that does though is it makes the subscription 100% custom to every user that we have right and of course there are some people who are uh, you know, within our community that are uh, die-hard fragrance fans and we love that but you know a lot of them use other categories you know you also use skincare and you also use lipstick and that's just a very normal way of you know the consumers are um, and so we wanted to offer more variety Hence the offering of, you know, makeup and skincare, and we are looking to bring wellness products onto the platform as well because awesome. I think the beauty and wellness industries are really merging at this point. They're really not as separate as they once were, and so we, we definitely see a big opportunity there. And I think the consumer is changing as well, like how they think about what they put into their bodies. Very different from you know what it was like ten years ago. So right. it's definitely um, a category that we are very curious in you know playing in. And so the way I kind of think about the uh, December offering, we're kind of like a glorified buffet you know in, in las vegas <laughs> but only the buffet used to have say like we only used to have like the cured meats section and uh, and the steaks maybe and now we also offer seafood and some veggies and some dessert <laughs> so ultimately the buffet just, has just gotten better <laughs> mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. we're actually super excited to be you know um offering skincare um and makeup products the way we do it with other categories is we offer full-size products um, that way, there is always amazing value for the consumer. Um, mm -hmm. But also, you know, for instance, if you think about like skincare, which, um, you know, it's, it's a new category for us. Um, th there are some of the same issues for me around shopping skincare um, in, in retail that there are around fragrances. So, for instance, skincare, mm -hmm. if you go into the department store, it's really, really hard to say if a particular product is going to be efficacious for you. What you can say is, totally. does it smell good to me and does it absorb well, if, if you care about absorbing right. uh, for like a cream. Um, but skincare is, so, you, you know, like every, the reason you would buy skincare is because you need to fix an issue. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, that kind of like plays really well to that like try before you buy experience, the day before marrying that Sunbird has 
always, you know, um, absolutely presented out there to the world. And it's very much our core and part of our DNA. And so we're very excited to do that in um, a skincare category, which is another one of my favorites. And again, we're doing that through full size product and every product on the platform is limited edition. So consumers can get it while, you know, the supplies last and then, you know, and, 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 and that's it. So <laughs> it does create that, um, you know, even more possibilities and, and, and more engagement um, for people to come back to the site and check out what's new, you know, uh, what, what can they um, discover this month. Amazing. And, you know, from working with consumers in that, I don't know if you consider it a co-creation process, but there's definitely elements of that and certainly bringing the consumers into the innovation process as you continue to develop the buffet or the brand. I also want to hear more about how you work with influencers, because I know Stanford has done a fair amount um, on social media. There's tons of buzz. How do you think about um, working with influencers? Do you have any advice for beauty founders about that realm? Um, the beauty influencer ecosystem has changed a lot throughout the years. So, um, you know, giving away our product to influencers has been kind of like an early stage growth hack for us uh, way before we had any marketing budget. So back in 2014, that's what we would and in 2015. That's what we would do uh, all day, every day. That was like the marketing channel for us. Um, mm -hmm. It ha The ecosystem has changed. Um, you know, it, organic placements used to be a lot more prominent. I, I'm sure I'm not, um, you're not really hearing anything new. Um, it's, you know, a lot of the ecosystem now is pay to play. Um, mm -hmm. We are very involved in the influencer marketing uh, arena. It's still a very, very meaningful channel for us and we're only scaling it and increasing it from here. So we have a team of six internally uh, marketers that just do influencer marketing um, for the company. Uh, so it's quite, you know, where it is a focus Amazing. for us. Uh, mm -hmm. We're doing a lot of testing and, um, you know, find out, uh, like, originally in the early stages of the company, we were just focusing on influencers who are in the beauty and grooming space, which while a big, you know, part and chunk of uh, YouTube traffic, it's not really the, the only um kind of like area that we could be playing at. So lately, our influencer marketing game has been all about testing additional categories and different channels that, you know, don't look so smart like they would convert. Yeah. Like, for instance, okay, like, could we advertise on a, a channel that's all about humor or just something that's a mm -hmm. vlog about travel? And like, can we see the same level of engagement from um, th those kinds of videos. So that's what, you know, that's what we have been doing. But again, this is a lot of testing. Like we, we get pretty granular with YouTube and we work throughout the full gamut of like the sizes of influencers from people who are 10,000 followers to people who are like 5 million, you know, followers. So, um, and um, it's, it's actually interesting. So the ones that we see the best ROI on are like the, the, the very big guys and the very little guys. <laughs> There's that gray area in the middle Amazing. where it's a yeah. little bit of a hit or miss. And so, I mean, we, we, we kind of like play the full gamut because that's, I think that's mm -hmm. what you have to do at scale if you're trying to like get more uh, visibility for the brand. But it is like an interesting tidbit of, of learning for you. Yes. <laughs> that I could share. Yes. So helpful. Thank you. And um, I just find it so fascinating and so exciting as a data nerd myself that you guys are just really um, 
setting the, a new bar for how beauty companies need to be tracking and monitoring to make sure that they're not wasting dollars that could be going somewhere else and really driving uh, more activity for the brand. So, so, so exciting. And so I'd love to hear, I think it's a good segue about your team. Um, tell me more about how the team is structured um, and also how you think about hiring and culture and all of those things. Yeah, so the team right now is about 140 people, and we're not all in New York. Um, we have about 55 people here in New York, and then the rest of the team is distributed. Um, I mean, we're Amazing. hiring all the time. As far as the structure, we are definitely heavy on the tech side, which you're not surprised by, I'm sure, since I told you no, that. No, I like love this. that. That's where we yeah. started. So we have 50 engineers, um, 55 actually, because we just got five more developers that are building our app. We have we don't have an app yet, but now that we are oh, about so to exciting. launch it, <laughs> yeah, it requires a whole new team of engineers. So we just hired five more. Uh, but basically, um, there's there are also like 10 people who uh, 10 more people on top of engineers that deal with digital products. So it's UX UI designers and um, product digital product managers. And then the second biggest team for us is probably customer support, because as we scale that membership base, you know, you, you have to have people who can answer the questions and, you know, uh, solve the concerns, especially with an e-commerce product. When we're shipping, you know, it's kind of like once the order leaves our warehouse, it's out of our, out of, out of our hands. And so we don't really get to control how UPS, uh, you know, runs mm -hmm. its business. So mm -hmm. we have to be on the receiving end of every single complaint, obviously. Um, and then um, the third biggest team would probably be our marketing team. And then, you know, everybody else <laughs> kind of after that. Uh, but okay. yeah, I would say our core competencies are tech and marketing. And then how do we think about culture? Um, well, <laughs> I think a lot about culture is culture starts with the people that you bring in that's the step one and i always love to say that um the ideal employee employee for sunbird uh, and i have this very twisted analogy that i tell people all the time during interviews because I, I interview every single person that ends up joining the team um mm -hmm. especially the new york city office uh but basically i, I tell them uh, basically imagine the superman and the teddy bear had a child Super twisted analogy. Whoa. But that would be like the perfect person for our team because the Superman part gets stuff done, but the teddy bear is nice about it. And I think mm -hmm. having two sides to every person that joins the team is super crucial because, yes, we're a startup, so we have to have that Superman like type A, like get stuff done, do a lot more with a lot less, and be scrappy and, you know, kind of like just keep mo moving and hustling part to us because that's how startups grow and that's how they stay in business and thrive and like change industries. But at the same time, we think life is too short for drama. And so, mm -hmm. especially in a small team, you know, one person can impact the culture and the environment so much. Much, that that teddy bear part, I think, is what really makes the experience of working at Sunbird special because it does truly feel like a, a you know a family truly, mm -hmm. and you know, the people are nice, and you know it, it does feel like a nest in in uh, you know uh, in in some ways. And we are paying a lot uh, of attention to culture. Uh, we are measuring culture. <laughs> there are KPIs around <laughs> culture that we have. Amazing. We just did a survey, culture survey through uh, Culture Amp, actually, good software. I don't, get, I don't get commissions from this. I just really love the software. <laughs> good, solid <laughs> recommendations. Love it. <laughs> yes, 
Yes. But basically, um, they do surveys and, you know, they are very instrumental in helping us measure our culture. But one of the metrics for me that's super important and kind of like one of my personal missions in life is to make sure that I'm building a company where people love coming to work every day. And the latest survey that we did, literally, uh, we got like 100% of respondents, which is most of the company, uh, say that they love coming to work every day. And I'm like, okay, wow, good. Let's keep it up. Tech. Love it. Love it. That is incredible. And it's so beautiful and wonderful that you are measuring that. And um, I think that analogy must help because it, it seems very clear once you describe it that way. Superman, teddy bear. Love it. Yep. <laughs> so do you have any mentors? And if so, what are some of the best pieces of advice that they've given you? Oh, well, yes. Um, I, I don't think it's easy to survive as an entrepreneur, uh, especially in the tech mm. space and fast-moving company without mentors. A lot mm. of my mentors mentors ended up becoming my or, or Sunbird's angel investors later in the game. Not right away. Eventually, a lot of them mm. kind of like crossed to the investor side. Um, so awesome. I still keep, um, keep in touch with obviously all of them. Um, and then um, still developing more mentor relationships um, you know, over the years, but my favorite thing is actually to, you know, a lot of the, it's, it's weird, like a lot of the knowledge now comes to the, through the team, because when you kind of like hire, mm. you know, the smartest and nicest people, you also want to learn from them. And, and so I learn every right. day on my job and I ask a lot of questions. Um, mm-hmm. The best advice that I was given uh, was in the early days uh, when, um, well, it, it's hard to select the best advice, but the, one of the best pieces of advice for me was to not give up <laughs> on Sunbird during the yes. earlier, very, very early days of the business when we didn't have the winning business model. We just had the recommender and the technology that did not, mm-hmm. and it's really impossible to monetize a fragrance recommender, let me tell you, unless you mm-hmm. figure out an e-commerce mm-hmm. component to it. And there was a time in the early days of the company where I was like, oh my God, it's not working. We tried like three business models. So I called up um, one of my mentors, Michael. He is a tech entrepreneur, was in San Francisco, is now uh, the CEO of YC. And I was like, Michael, um, fragrance is not working. Maybe we'll try makeup or something, like something that's not anything but fragrance at that point. And I was like so desperate. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. an advice that he gave me, and that was about a year into the company, right? Um, he told me that I would, you know, it would be like one of the silliest things that I could do um, mm. as far as like giving up on the company then, because what he told me was that I had a year worth of learnings about fragrance under my belt. And this is like, and, and that time is precious. Like you cannot really shortcut that. Like generally as you're building a company, you really have to go through the purgatory <laughs> before mm. you get, you know, reemerge on the other side. And so, so he goes like, if I were to bet on a team or a company or like, you know, an entrepreneur to get it right and to figure it out in the fragrance space, I would bet on you over a lot of other people because you've made so many mistakes over the course of the year. And mm. I think that hearing that, so like, and, and kind of like that flipped failure for me completely upside down. So before that conversation, failure for me, like, okay, we failed, we suck at this. We're just really not meant to do this. And he flipped it saying, hey, no, it's actually a blessing. Like you have so, you know, yeah. you've just built such a muscle of like knowledge that like, like you just have to keep going. And funnily enough, after I received that advice, 
we, you know, like almost instantly got the the, the right idea and uh, the correct the breakthrough ended up working out. So wow. yeah, that's why I say that the darkest hours rise before dawn, and mm-hmm. not just yeah. You know, so that's kind of like it's very much true in my life. So it's so incredible, Maria. I'm so honored that we had the chance to speak today. You are so smart, so humble, so inspiring. I want to wish you all of the most amazing success over the next coming months and years. And I cannot wait to see what happens next with Scentbird. I wanted to ask, how can we stay connected with you? Do you have any other thoughts for our podcast listeners to close things out today? Um. I, great question. Uh, I, I guess I, I'm not super social. I do have um, an Instagram account. Uh, I mean, LinkedIn, if you guys have any questions, I'm very easy to search for, although I have a complicated Russian last name. Um, <laughs> but for me, as far as like the last words, uh, I know that if there is a dream, there is a way. So never, I think for any entrepreneur out there, any brand builder, never lose hope. <laughs> because you never Beautiful. know when that big breakthrough can come come into your life. 